All right, welcome back to another Basketball Insider edition of the No Further Comments podcast. This is episode number 10. I'm your host, Alex Meacham. Now, we've got a lot to cover. It's going to be about a 30-minute podcast today. Here's what we're going to cover today. We're going to talk a little bit about high school, AAU basketball, talk a little college players looking at the NBA draft. We're going to talk about the NBA playoffs. And lastly, I will tell you where I think LeBron will end up next year. That's going to be something everyone's talking about after the playoffs. And I'm going to tell you where he's going and why. Hopefully it makes sense. Let's cover a couple things real quick. Our social media uh, for the podcast is at NFC Podcast on Twitter, at NFC Podcast on Instagram. My personal social media is the following on Instagram, at Alex underscore Meacham. That's spelled M-E-A-C-H-A-M. And on Twitter, the same thing, at Alex underscore Meacham, M-E-A-C-H-A-M. All right, so as always, we come in to the great tunes of the famous, iconic 90s rapper, Big Daddy Kane. So what song did we come into? We came, off, uh, we came into a song called Ain't No Stopping Us Now. Now this song is off of the album, It's a Big Daddy Kane, it's, it's a Big Daddy Thing, excuse me. So the reason I picked this song is it's track number 10. This is episode number 10. So I'm gonna start doing that. I'm gonna, every Basketball Insider podcast we do, whatever number it is, I'm gonna find a song off of Big Daddy Kane's catalog off of one of the albums and pick out that number. Big Daddy Kane's got so many hits, it's, it should be pretty easy. So that song, Ain't No Stopping Us Now, for some of you that noticed it, you noticed the chorus, it's from uh, a song from, God, my, my mom and dad's generation, uh, McFadden and Whitehead, uh, their Ain't No Stopping Us uh, Now song. So Big Daddy Kane, basically like a lot of rappers back in the day, took an old sound and sampled it, um, took an old hook from a song and sampled it, and made it his own. So that's our Big Daddy Kane song for this episode of the Basketball Insider edition of the No Further Comments podcast. Now also keep in mind our bigger podcast, just the NFC podcast, No Further Comments, that I do with Glenn Riley. We'll be back uh, next week. Um, that's the, uh, gosh, we'll be doing one more, uh, one more here in the month of May before we get to our uh, exciting, we got some good stuff going on in June, some good guests. Um, this past podcast for the NFC podcast, we had Brandon Hunter on. Uh, for those that don't know, Brandon Hunter uh, played basketball here in Cincinnati High School, basketball here in Cincinnati at Withrow High School. Then went on to play for the uh, Ohio University Bobcats. Now, when he was at Withrow, um, he had such a great career. Uh, later on, I'm not sure what year it, it, it turned out to be, but they put him into the Withrow Athletic Hall of Fame. Uh, at OU, he is in the 2,000 and 1,000 point club. He is still the all-time leading rebounder in the history of the school. He then was drafted in the NBA. I think he was the number 56 pick in the NBA draft to the uh, Boston Celtics. So he's got a lot of insight into in the NBA, high school basketball, college. So we had him on. So make sure you check that out. He is on um, episode number 48 of the No Further Comments podcast. So let's dive right into it. Um, like I said, this would be about a 30-minute podcast. So there's a lot that I want to cover, a lot that I want to get going through. We're going to jump into it right now. So I'm going to talk a little bit about high school basketball, which ended here locally in the Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky area. I thought there was some great high school basketball um, 
Cuffcalf in Northern Kentucky, Moeller in Cincinnati winning state championships, bringing, it, bringing both state championships right here in the tri-state area, which is really cool. Now what happens is, as the high school basketball season ends, a lot of the kids that play high school basketball transition into AAU. Now, now some, some kids, because of our, I think the dynamic of our city, you have a lot of kids that go on and play baseball, uh, that start preparing for football. And, and for those who don't know, in, in Ohio specifically, uh, not as much in Kentucky, but in Ohio, football rules. High school football, college football, professional football, it rules in the state of Ohio. So you get a lot of kids that, because it rules so much, football's so big, a lot of kids that do play basketball really chase after football because it's a little easier to get scholarships in, ba in, in, in football more so than basketball these days. So you see a lot of kids put, putting their eggs in the basket to, to get a football scholarship. And it's been proven to where you, know, you could be a great athlete, maybe not a skilled football player but a great athlete and these coaches feel like they can take a great athlete and make him a good to very good skilled football player so you, you see that happening a lot especially here in our area kids transition from high school basketball right into preparing for the next season of, of high school football or going to camps um, and just different things that will help them get in front of some college coaches for football so, and what I wanted to talk about uh, with AAU basketball, uh, AAU basketball is an, an imperfect world. There's, there's so many things within the world of AAU basketball that are great. There's so many things in our world of AAU basketball that are bad. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know another word for it, but there are things that happen that are that are not great for our sport and for young people in general and i'll kind of get into what i mean by that so looking at the great things with au basketball it provides a lot of young people with an opportunity a platform to to develop you know their skills to potentially play college basketball. So, you know, let's say you got a kid and he's a he's a freshman in high school and he wants to play college basketball real really bad. Well, AAU basketball is a great way for him to go against other kids his age that might be better, teams that are better, and basically he can you know, he can create realistic expectations. Like what level player am I right now? Where could I eventually be? Because if you're a freshman, obviously you have some time to get better and you can say, where, where, where can I be? What do I need to work on? So from that standpoint, I think it's great. As you get a little bit older, the, the golden nugget in AAU is to play in tournaments where you get out in front of college coaches. And so there are two periods during the AAU season in which you can get out and get in front of college coaches, one of which is April and then July is the last period. So during these months, what happens is a team or teams will go out and play in what they call live period events. So in April, there are two weekends in which they're live period events, and Nike, Under Armour, and Adidas are all putting on tournaments 
for teams that are sponsored by Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour. And, and these teams are going out and teams are competing. You've got college coaches circling around the courts. Now, college coaches can't talk to the players or parents or AAU coaches at that time. All they can do is evaluate. It's all they can do. So they're taking notes uh, like number 15, you know, Johnny Jump Shot. Uh, I need to shoot him an email, see what his interest level is with our university or, or who's recruiting that particular kid. So uh, April and July are huge months for kids that are sophomores and juniors as far as recruiting. Now, if you're a sophomore, you're, you're basically getting on the radar more than anything. And if you're a high-level sophomore, you're getting probably recruited heavily. But if you're just a, a, a mid-level sophomore to, to below, uh, you're just kind of seeing what people think about you, getting your name out there. Uh, to see, see if anybody thinks you have a lot of potential. Now, as you're a junior, what happens is this is your last, a junior senior to be in high school, this is your last opportunity to play U basketball. And you're, you're trying to get in front of these coaches and hopefully they like you and offer you a scholarship. So July is a crucial period for kids. Now, just because you play in a live period of an event in July, that, that's not the end of it for your recruiting process. Of course, you go back to high school, you could play a high school season, uh, improve your stock with college coaches. So if you play poorly in the month of July, that doesn't mean that you know, your recruiting is over. That's not what that means. You, know, you still have a whole high school season. There was a great example of a kid who played here locally who I thought had a very good, as a junior going into a senior year, had a very good AU season, but didn't really have a lot of offers. But then he goes to high school and he has a very good regular season and then he gets to the tournament play and he had one of the greatest runs in high school tournament history that I've ever seen by one person. He single-handedly led a very, very average high school basketball team to the state championship. I mean, he's dropping 30, 40 points a game. And he goes from a kid that, um, you know, had some offers, some D2 offers to go play basketball to started getting D1s because of this run that he had in the state tournament. So July can really help you. and You can commit early. So let's say in July you go out and you play and you play really well and college coaches are liking you and you find a school that's a great fit, you can commit right then and there. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. And then you go into your high school season breathing a little bit easier, saying, you know what? I feel relaxed. I'm not worried or feel any pressure to have to perform well during the high school season because I don't have any offers. I don't have the right offer at the time. So it all depends on you know, that particular person, that player, what they're looking for. Are they looking for a, a high division one, a mid division one? Are they looking for division two, II, division three? It all depends on the level you're looking for. And every person's situation is different. And you know, I think one thing that I want to do, I want to devote an entire podcast to talking about AU basketball. Because moving forward, I think in the next gosh, three to five years, AU basketball is going to become very important for a lot of high school basketball players and not only their development, but also their recruitment. 
Uh, like some of these kids like Darius Baisley, who, you know, they're skipping college basketball, going to the G League. Some guys might be going overseas. So I think the dynamic of AU basketball is going to change. And I want to get some other people on the podcast that might have a different opinion than mine and, and kind of hear their thoughts. So hopefully in the month of June we'll have, because uh, June is a is kind of a dead period with AU, hopefully we can get some other AU coaches or uh, program directors on our uh, show here and talk a little bit about their impression of AU, where it's headed in the next three to five years. Because I've been involved with AU basketball for 17 years with uh, with my AU program, Shining Star. So I have a pretty good pulse, but I don't think I have everything right in this case. And uh, our world of basketball is always changing every single year. Just think the decision that Darius Baisley made to skip college and go to the NBA G League. Just within a year, he's changed how kids are gonna now process some things. So our world changes very, very quickly. All right, so transitioning from AAU basketball, I want to jump right into uh, college players and the NBA draft. The NBA draft is coming up June 21st, and there are a lot of people that are wondering where some of their favorite college players are going to end up uh, in regards to the draft. Will they be first-round, second-round guys? Will they even get drafted? So I want to cover a couple guys locally, and I want to talk about a very polarizing kid from a very polarizing family. I think you're going to know who I'm talking about here shortly. But let's, let's jump into um, four guys in particular locally here between the University of Cincinnati and Xavier University. Starting off with Xavier, uh, there are two guys in particular that had uh, great seasons this year for Xavier, uh, Trayvon Blewett and J.P. Makura. Um, and if you really look at it, this season the backcourt of Trayvon and JP were as good a combination, a two-man combination, as there was in the country. I mean, these guys could absolutely score the ball at the college level. So let's, let's talk a little bit about them. Uh, JP McCure being one of the more intriguing guys in the draft. He's a 6'5", 205-pound guard. Uh, he's predicted to go second round to undrafted right now. Now, that could change. Between now and June 21st, uh, guys could jump up, could move down. You just never know what you know. NBA scouts think about a player. And fr from my standpoint, uh, JP's an interesting one. I mean, the guy could score the ball. You know, we, we saw that in, in college all year, especially this season. Um, and you wonder, can he score at the at the NBA level. You know, I don't know that he can do what he did in college at the NBA level. Guys are so much bigger, they're so much stronger, they're so much faster. JP's not a tremendous athlete. Um, he's a very um, deceivingly good athlete. Like, you don't think he's gonna be able to do something and he pump fakes, drives, goes up and under, uh, finger rolls it, and you don't expect to, to see that. And he's able to do that. Uh, and come down, you know, come down the lane, go down for a monster uh, tomahawk dunk. You know, those type of things that you don't expect. He can do those things. So he's very intriguing. Another thing about JP that I do like that I've seen other players like him that translate well at the next level, and that's toughness. 
JP wasn't the most loved guy in college basketball. Uh, I think there were two players, in, in specifically this college season, JP being one, and another kid from Duke, who I won't even name. Uh, those two guys seem to get under people's skin a lot, fans and opponents. Uh, JP did that. Um, he did that very well. And um, there, there's no doubt in my mind that he's a tough kid. Um, I don't think you play at the level like Xavier and play to the level he did all season and postseason and not be a tough kid. So I'm thinking between him being a tough kid, his basketball IQ is extremely high. I mean, I watched a couple Xavier games where he came off of some screens and he read those screens so well. I mean, a high level basketball IQ. Th those type of things, I believe, translate to the next level when they might doubt JP's athleticism to guard at the NBA level or his inability to consistently rebound at a high level for being you know, 6'5". So a lot of those things that I think people will question, JP possibly can make up for them based on an IQ and toughness standpoint. So it's going to be interesting. I think a worst case scenario, JP could go and be a great overseas player. I could see him playing professionally overseas. Uh, just the way his ability to, to, to catch and shoot, uh, shoot in transition, all those things they like to do with international basketball. So it's going to be interesting. I, I don't think he'll get drafted, would be my opinion. I think he'll go and have a stint overseas, and then, you know, you never know from there. Uh, Trayvon Blewett. Uh, 6'6", 210, predicted to be a second-round undrafted player right now. And Trayvon is a <laughs> – man, I tell you what, he impressed me this year. Um, I, don't, I don't like JP. I don't think Trayvon is super athletic. Um, I Actually, some people might disagree, but I think JP is more athletic than Trayvon Blewett. Uh, if you watch some games and some things that JP can do – I think he does them, you know, as well as Trayvon from an athletic standpoint. But this this season, Trayvon impressed me. Like and, and and don't don't now when I when I give you this comparison, don't think I'm saying he's exactly like this guy. But I want to compare situations, and that's Carmelo Anthony. If you look at Trayvon's build, kind of the way he. Uh, the way he reads screens, catch and shoot. He's not great off the dribble in some way at, at the NBA level. You know, kind of things that I think if you looked at Carmelo coming out of Syracuse, there are some similarities. So you wonder, are NBA execs looking at Trayvon Blewett and saying, hmm, we might be able to get this kid in the second round. He'd be a good steal. You know, he might be a kid that could end up like a Carmelo Anthony. Uh, you just never know. And I'll tell you what, if, if, if there's one thing about Trayvon, I think when the game was big, he was bigger. Uh, you know, there were clutch game tying shots, uh, shots to put them up, uh, game-winning plays that he had in big games over and over not only this year but throughout his career and those type of things I think translate extremely well at the next level
Uh, I personally think uh, Trayvon will find a way to get drafted. I, I, I really do. I think, um, and if not, like JP, he'll go overseas and I think do well. I think Trayvon might be a guy that does the NBA G League, works there and tries to get himself better prepared for the NBA in a couple years. I could see him doing that more so than going overseas because I think Trayvon is probably one step closer to the NBA than JP is. JP can go overseas and make um, six figures, whereas Trayvon could go to the NBA G League, make 40000 not as much as JP, but be one step closer to the NBA. I could see that happening. All right, so jumping into my favorite team, obviously, the Cincinnati Bearcats. I want to talk about uh, two guys uh, that have entered the NBA draft. One, Gary Clark, who is a senior. He's 6'7", 230 pounds. He is predicted, just like Trayvon and JP, to be a second round to undrafted guy. So I've had the opportunity to watch Gary Clark um, every season since he's been at the University of Cincinnati. I've watched this, this young man develop as a player. He is a high character person. My opinion is that Gary Clark is a guy that has to go to the right system. If an NBA team takes a chance in the second round on Gary Clark, like a San Antonio Spurs, that type of team, a Boston Celtic team, um, you know, those type of teams, I could see Gary doing very well. And I mean, you look at what he did at the University of Cincinnati, I mean, just his, his toughness, his rebounding, his inside out play. He did all those things at a very high level in college, but that doesn't always mean you're going to do that at the NBA level. You have to get into the right system where that fits well. You know, so the Spurs, obviously, for a long time, have always run, run great system basketball, and Pop's been a a huge proponent of that as, as a coach to run great system stuff and they always get guys that fly under the radar in the draft. And then you look at the Boston Celtic now who, you know, they are the Spurs of the East and if you look at Brad Stevens, he's kind of like Popovich, you know, he runs good stuff. Uh, obviously the Celtics lost two of their best players this season are still in the NBA uh, Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, say what you want, that's good coaching. They do have very good players. That's very good coaching, putting those players in position to be successful. And I can see a Gary Clark going to a team uh, like a, a San Antonio or like a Celtics uh, team and, and doing well. You know, Gary is your, he's your classic tweener, as we like to say it in, in basketball. You know, it's, it, with Gary, at times this season, at UC, at the University of Cincinnati, he was reluctant to shoot the three-pointer at times. I think he's capable, right? So I think he's reluctant. He has to be, he has to have a more of an urgency to want to shoot that three at the NBA level and to make it. Now, obviously the NBA line's a little bit further back, so uh, it's going to be a tougher shot, but I think he has the ability to do that. Uh, I think he'd have to work on his post game a little bit more. But you know who he reminds me of? Now, Gary Clark is 6'7", but the guy I'm talking about is about 6'9". He's a little bit taller. Um, I think Gary would have to put on some more uh, muscle, uh, get some more strength to him. But David West, all right? David West, longtime NBA vet, played at Xavier, ironically. I think Gary and David have some similarities from a standpoint of their high IQ guys, um, they're high character guys, 
they're tough dudes and they have the ability i think gary clark has more range than david west did coming out of college and i think david has more post game than gary did coming out of college just um multiple not that gary doesn't have a post game but i think david had more moves down low he had the ability to do a a couple more things turn a left shoulder right shoulder but i do see a lot of similarities and you might have a team that takes a chance and sees the blueprint of a david west because look at david west man that guy's been the nba forever right for a long time and i think his longevity has a lot to do with his toughness his, his high basketball iq and his high character and gary clark is of that elk all right so lastly last person i want to talk about and locally, he's probably one of the most talked about guys as far as entering the draft, and that's Jacob Evans. Uh, Jacob Evans leaving a year early to enter the draft, and a lot of people thought Jacob might come back next year. I, I personally think if J Jacob were to come back this year, not only would he be the leading scorer on the Bearcats team, but he would fill that role that Gary Clark had this year of being the leader. And being that guy that the fans rallied around like like the fans loved like gary clark like he gary gary people were chanting it going crazy and this would have been jacob's team is what i'm trying to say this would have been his team he can showcase what he's capable of he can go and work on all those things during the off season that he needs to get better at for the next level but jacob decided that it was time to go um, and he's hired an agent, so that means he cannot return to, to college. He's predicted right now, he's 6'6", 210, he's predicted to be a late first round to second round pick. So I, th I think the intriguing thing with Jacobs for a lot of NBA scouts is that the dude, I mean, obviously, he's, he's got the potential. There's, there's no doubt the potential's there. Uh, the athleticism's there. I mean, all throughout this year, and this year more than the years prior to, to this one, Jacob really showed how freaking athletic he is. I mean, he had some <laughs> some crazy rebounds, blocks, dunks that, that just were like, man, that's, that's next-level stuff. That's NBA stuff. Uh, one thing I saw with Jacob was, you know, the ability to attack the rim more consistently. Like, if, if he was to do that more at the college level, I think that would have opened it up for his jump shot a little bit more. He, he, he explodes on his jump shot. I mean, he gets, he gets a lot of elevation on his shot, which you need at that next level with guys that are so long. Kevin Durant, uh, Kawhi Leonard, guys that close out super quick. You got to get your shot off quick, and you got to be able to jump high, and, and he has all that. Um, I didn't see Jacob attack the rim consistently enough sometimes he settled on the jump shot at times but there were games that he was told attack the basket attack the basket uh, one game in particular that the Bearcats ended up losing was against Nevada in the NCAA tournament if you saw that the Bearcats were up by 20 or so and lost the lead but uh, Jacob was attacking the basket early and basically getting whatever he wanted I think that's what really helped him so when he's playing against Nevada you know all eyes are on the Bearcats for that particular game because it was a nationally televised game, NCAA tournament. Uh, Nevada has a couple kids that are NBA prospects, so I think a lot of scouts were watching that game, and Jacob performed well. And I think that's really helped out his NBA stock. Um, I could see uh, Jacob uh, going in the first round. 
Uh, late first round for sure, uh, definitely second, no doubt about it, just based on uh, his potential. I would have loved for him to stay another year and become a higher first round pick, but you know, that's Jacob's decision and, and he thinks he's in the right position to, to get drafted and excel at the next level. So wishing all these guys good luck. I mean, it's always great to see guys that come out of our community in our area, even though a lot of these guys did not grow up here locally. I think uh, Trayvon being the closest, I think he grew up in Indianapolis, but um, for guys that played locally here at the college level, to see them go on and play in the NBA and then come back to our community, run basketball camps, be involved with the university in which they came out of, I think is very, very important uh, for us here. We don't have enough guys, I think, that do that. Uh, that have the ability to go play at the NBA level and then come back and stay active in the uh, Cincinnati community. So let's hope that all four of these guys get drafted and also excel at the NBA level or even overseas and come back and do a lot of great things in our community. Hey, the last person I want to talk about is Leangelo Ball from the obviously polarizing Ball family. We call him the basketball Kardashian. So Leangelo Ball, who was playing in Lithuania with his brother LaMelo, has decided to enter the NBA draft. Now, he wasn't invited to any NBA combines, and he said his sole focus, his sole focus, ladies and gentlemen, is to play for the Los Angeles Lakers and his brother, Lonzo Ball. Now, his dad has predicted this for years. His dad, his dad, his dad's been really quiet lately. I feel like something's brewing, like he's got something going on. But his dad, LeVar Ball, has predicted that Leangelo will play with the Lakers and LaMelo will play with the Lakers alongside Lonzo. Man, how crazy would that be if that did happen? Uh, I don't see it happening. I don't think, I don't think uh, Leangelo is an NBA prospect. I could see him playing overseas. He's got a strong body, but, or even the G League, but I don't see him playing for the Los Angeles Lakers. But I'll tell you what, as we get closer and closer to June 21st, the NBA draft, people will be talking about him quite a bit just because his dad's going to be running his mouth, uh, talking the good talk. So, hey, that ends our college uh, prospects to the NBA talk here. I want to jump into quickly a little bit with the NBA draft or the, I'm sorry, the NBA playoffs. And it, I mean, gosh, these playoffs right here are it's 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 crazy because it's what people expected but the path to get here is not what people expected i mean a lot of people thought at the beginning of the season the celtics and the Cavs, eastern conference finals rockets golden state western conference finals like people thought that but i mean think about what the Cavs have been through the trades and the the the, the streak where they were losing a lot of games they were looking terrible um the injuries to the celtics all oh, their season's over but both of them end up in the Eastern Conference Finals. And it's intriguing. It's almost like it's LeBron versus Brad Stevens right now. Because with the Celtics getting hurt, I mean, Brad's willing them uh, in a lot of ways. And trust me, the Celtics have some really, really good position players. Do not get me wrong. But Brad Stevens is really putting these guys in a great position to be successful. And then LeBron is just willing his team to victory. So you, you, you've got two things going on here. Um, in, in this Cavs-Celtics series here, LeBron's game one, he had a very, very poor game one last night. 
And a lot of that has to do with, he has this thing where game one he likes to kind of feel out the opponent. But like last night he was, he was lethargic. It's one thing to have a bad game, and it's another thing not to be aggressive and, and lead your ball club. And it was almost like he was sitting back. How are the Celtics going to play me? It's like he was kind of observing. And that might work against the Pacers. That might work against the Raptors. But this Celtics team, I don't think is a team that you can do that with. So you lose game one. Game two. Now, if the Cavs don't come out and shoot the ball and play well, and they lose game two, you start to give the Celtics a lot more confidence. Brad Stevens over there drawing up magical plays. It, it gets tough. It, it, it gets tough for what I want to say is a very, very average Cavs team without LeBron. And you have a lot of me love stepped up last game. I believe he was the leading scorer. But you got a lot of guys that have the potential of not playing well this series. And LeBron is, is obviously consistently, he usually consistently plays well. I'm going to tell you what, you will not see LeBron come out game two and not be aggressive and have a poor game. Like it, it's just one of those things where he's getting criticized for game one. People all over the social, uh, all over uh, TV, on social media, bad mouthing him. He hears that stuff. He's going to come out aggressive. I know he's going to go for 40. He's going to try to go for 50 points uh, and try to win that basketball game. I, I can guarantee you that. But if his teammates don't step up and they lose that game, man, I'm telling you, you're giving the Celtics way too much confidence. And I don't think this is a team you can do that with. Um, after last game when they lost the Celtics, um, when, the, when the Cavs lost to the Celtics, uh, LeBron in the post game was asked about a, I believe, a 7-0 run that the Celtics had. and um, LeBron broke down that 7-0 run, like play-by-play, play, his memory. And every media person in the post-game interview gave him like a round of applause. I mean, it was a very, very impressive thing that you can just play a game, shower, change, sit down with the media, and recall a 7-0 run exact detail of what happened every single possession of that. It was super, super impressive. Now, other players can do that. I played with a guy, Kenyon Martin, uh, one of the great players at the University of Cincinnati, number one pick in the NBA draft, uh, played with the Nets, Nuggets, had a great career. Kenyon was like that. Kenyon could do what, Kenyon, uh, what LeBron did last night. Kenyon could tell you exactly what happened on this 7-0 run to the T. There are other players that can do that, but it, it, it's not a lot. Uh, and it's very, very impressive. Uh, they, they often say that Magic Johnson had one of the highest basketball IQs in the history of the game. And I would say that LeBron is up there with him. And, and, and LeBron you know, showed me last night when he went through that whole 7-0 run, like, man, this dude really is. Like, I knew he was a student of the game, but last night I'm like, wow, that's very impressive. And, you know, I watched LeBron live this year, went to the game versus the Pacers. I think it was game six. And I had a chance to, to watch him. And, and it's different when you watch a great player like a LeBron or a Michael Jordan live at the game versus watching it on TV. Here's what I mean by that. 
When you watch him on TV, the camera goes away from him some plays. There's a timeout. You don't get to see what goes on in the timeout. When you're there at the game, you see everything. You see how he walks back to the huddle, what he's doing in the huddle, during the timeout, when the play, when he's away from the ball. And I'm going to tell you, man, I was so impressed this year with LeBron's basketball IQ and just how much it's improved every single year. Just like most players. Most players' basketball IQ improves. And, he, and he's high, super high level, up there with, with some of the greatest to ever play the game in, in regards to basketball IQ. What impressed me the most was LeBron's ability to pick and choose his spots to rest during the game. So, you know, Michael Jordan used to do it. Um, and, I, and I'm talking about, you know, guys like LeBron who have to do a lot. Uh, Michael Jordan did a lot. So you have to pick and choose your spots. It's like a boxer. Sometimes you need to pick rounds where, you know, you, you go on the defense. You don't throw a lot of punches. It's, it's a low volume punch round because you need to kind of get your shoulders back get your breath back. You have to do that in basketball. You have to kind of pick and choose. Yeah, yeah, you're going to come out of the game and you're going to rest on the bench, but in the game you've got to pick your spots and he was so good at picking his spots. You know, they say in a basketball game you could run up to 4 miles. And that's an average player. Uh, guys like LeBron and others um, might do more cuz they play more minutes. Uh, they're a little more active in certain areas. But they said uh, that LeBron is so efficient during a game with, uh, he's probably one of the players that walks the most, and I don't mean walk by traveling, he walks the most during a game to conserve energy, to be more efficient. So I was very impressed when I watched him in um, Indianapolis in regards to, to that. My prediction is, um, this is tough, I really think, I think the Cavs will win the series just because I think LeBron will will them to victory. However, if the Celtics win game two and they get a lot of confidence, I think the Cavs are in, in big trouble. So I think this game two is going to determine a lot. I, 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 really, I really see LeBron stepping up and turning it on game two, like just, just taking over and them winning game two. And then I think the Cavs win the series. But like I said, if LeBron doesn't play great, his supporting cast doesn't play great, and the Celtics win, man, I, I don't know if the Cavs will win this series. Um, you know, the other series going on in the Western Conference, the Rockets versus the Warriors, uh, game one starts tonight. I think this is going to be a better series than people are predicting it to be. People think the Warriors are just going to cruise through because they're healthy. Obviously, they shoot the ball so well. Um, but I say not so fast. Uh, I think the one thing that's different this time is the home court advantage with the Houston Rockets. If you look at it, if, if the Rockets, I think the Rockets are going to win the night. So they're going to come out cooking, man. You know, Harden's going to be shooting his shot. Uh, CP3 is going to be penetrating, pitching. The crowd's going to be going crazy. Game one, give it to the Rockets. Now, game two is in Houston again. If the Rockets can steal game two, I really think this will go seven games. I still think the Warriors win the series, but I think it goes seven games. I think the Warriors just kind of wear them down uh, when they get to game seven. But I think 
the Rockets will play them better than people think. Because the Rockets, if you watch them offensively and defensively, they've been constructed to beat the Warriors. Like what they run on offense, what they do defensively, is all made up to play and beat the Warriors. Think about that. That's been their goal from day one, and that's how they play the game. So they've got arguably the MVP of the NBA and James Harden, one of the best guards who I recently saw that Chris Paul's playoff statistics are as good as Magic Johnson's. Think about that. Let, let that kind of sink in. So you got two great players on the Rockets, and, and I, I think you just can't write them off in the series just because the Warriors are, are so good. And you know, listen, Durant should be every night the best player on the floor, regardless of who's on there. James Harden, Chris Paul, Curry, Durant should be the best player on the floor. I don't believe his, I don't believe his makeup is to be the best player every night. Durant needs other players with him. It's just not his personality to dominate every single night. All right, here's my prediction. Uh, the Warriors win in seven. Like I said, the Rockets uh, play him well. Now, I will say this. If for whatever reason the, the, the Warriors come out and shoot the ball well and they don't turn it over, they're known to turn it over quite a bit, um, they don't turn it over and, and the Warriors win game one, man, this, this whole series can, can shift. Um, now, hey, listen, I, I was going to dive into where I think LeBron's going to end up next year. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you somewhere, and then I'm going to stop. Because next podcast, I'm going to dive in a little bit more into why I think this. But I'm going to set it up right now. LeBron James, next season will end up signing and playing for the Los Angeles Lakers. The purple and gold. Showtime. Magic Johnson. I have so many reasons why it lines up for LeBron to be in LA. There's so, I have so many, people are saying he's gonna go to the Sixers. People say he's gonna stay in Cleveland. He's gonna go here. I'm telling you right now, my prediction is all signs point to LeBron in LA. Next podcast, I'm gonna tell you why LeBron will end up in LA. Also, I wanna dive into the rest of the NBA playoffs, how the Cavs and Celtics are doing, where the Rockets and the uh, Warriors series is at. And also dive into a little bit more with AAU, and hopefully we're able to uh, get some other uh, AAU coaches and uh, directors on our show at some point soon, and, and really talk about AAU basketball because it's cha it's a changing world, and um, a lot of guys that you see in AAU basketball end up in the NBA. I mean, I've watched LeBron play, I've watched Derrick Rose play, I've watched all these guys play right in front of me um, at AAU games and now they're in the NBA. Um, but our world of youth basketball is changing as I've talked a little bit about um, in episode number nine of the Basketball Insider podcast. So make sure you check that one out, check out our past podcast. And uh, if you get a chance, check out our other podcast, the No Further Comments podcast, myself and Glenn Riley. Uh, so we have some good stuff going on. Make sure you check it out. Any feedback, hit us up on social media. And of course, as always,
I leave you out with a little Big Daddy Kane. Ain't no stopping us now. Appreciate everyone listening to another edition of the Basketball Insider No Further Comments podcast, episode number 10.